0: Let Dwarf Fortress Roundtable know your favorite use of the overflow population of cats in your fortresses. Please send an email to at URIST at com. That's your dfroundtable.com. Now, enjoy the show.
1: Welcome to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, bringing you Dwarven Archery Talk since 2019. The date is March 28th, 2021. I'm Jonathan. I'm Roland. Hello, I'm Tony. We have with us today Alexandra Orlando. She is the Community Manager for Kitfox Games. Welcome, Alexandra.
0: Hello. Here we are to talk today about about a game that Kitfox has acquired uh, some interest in.
2: Yeah, so maybe I can explain a little bit about Kit Fox. I don't know how much y'all talk about it on the show. We talk
1: about it uh, quite a bit whenever we have a picture drop that is going to be from the Dwarf Fortress Steam release. But yeah, we don't know much beyond that. Tanya Shorts, uh, does she own it?
2: Yeah, she's the CEO and uh, she co-founded the studio as well. So yeah, she's like definitely the owner
0: well i immediately have very positive feelings about kit fox because they've picked up on such a great game so obviously very bright people working there with <laughs> excellent ideas so i'd love to hear more about it
2: yeah and i think maybe it's worth even just explaining like what i do and and kind of like how it works as far as the relationship between kit fox and maybe even just like tarn and, and the development team behind war fortress yeah, that'd be great. That
0: would be fantastic.
2: So Kitfox makes games, but they also publish games. So there's some games that are uh, our in-house titles. So Boyfriend Dungeon is one of our bigger ones that's kind of more famous. But then we also have games like Door Fortress, which we're working on uh, publishing. So we do a little bit of both. We have, I think, it, I, six games, 10 IPs that we're working on, so... My job is kind of to take care of all those individual communities, promote the games that we have coming up, as well as supporting any community endeavors. And just like the maintenance of everything involving the community. So our Kickstarters, we have two of our games that were Kickstarted. So managing that, as well as all the individual Dwarf Fortress stuff that goes on. So we are directly working with Tarn, who sends us all the information. And we're kind of the ones that package it to you and present it to you in a timely manner, making sure it's all the places it needs to be right away. And that's just not my job, but the job of several people and many other volunteers who dedicate their time. So I'm still learning about all the ins and outs, but I think there's a lot of confusion about what Kitfox is or like when Kitfox uploads a YouTube video, let's say it's not always going to be a Dwarf Fortress update. Sometimes it's going to be other things, but we still are home to the big Door Fortress updates in video form.
1: So you said that Kitfox has six IPs, and so is that six titles that they are writing in-house, or is that a combination of the things they're doing in-house and their properties that they're publishing?
2: It's a combination of both of those. Some are more active than others. So, for example, we just released Lucifer Within Us, uh, and that game is finished and promoted. So it's one of our recent games, but we're not really focused on promoting it as much as, say, Paparazzi, which is not made by us, but is going to be coming out soon. Right. Which is the cool. game where you take pictures of dogs, and it's so wholesome and sweet. And I'm I'm really glad that we have a variety of games that appeal to different people. Like, Door Fortress is a great example of a very old school traditional game with a very traditional audience. But we also have family friendly titles and things that are going on the switch and just announced uh, boyfriend dungeon is going to Xbox too. So it's really cool to have this wide range of uh, community members. Cool. So is that, did you say paparazzi as yes, in P-U-P? Like, yeah. P-U-P-P-E-R-A-Z-Z-I. <laughs> Oh,
3: the better version of the name. Yeah, good.
0: Well, there goes your week, Jonathan.
1: <laughs> now I'm a cat guy. You know that. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's right. You need to have katarazzi. That'll be the sequel for, for Kit Fox. Oh,
3: also, uh, Dwarf Fortress on Switch when?
2: Oh, my. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: that's
2: not up to us. You know that, right? Like, yeah, yeah, people ask us about release dates, but, you know, when we can only do so free? much.
0: The VR 3D version of Dwarf Fortress. Uh, we I wait have... around
2: just as much as you all do for updates. We're just kind of <laughs> like, when are they coming? We have to. Do, I have to do my job with them. So,
1: when we first started the uh, the podcast, it was that was the, about the time the, the the Steam release was announced. And at that point, I think it had been almost three years since there was a release, a game update. So, uh, the Dwarf Fortress community is very well aware of. The uh, ephemeral nature of the release schedules. And schedule is a very loose term here.
2: That's kind of the interesting about being a publisher for indie games is that sometimes you're working with a team of one in some cases. And with the tumultuous time that it is, if something is affecting that person's life, then the game is is, uh, not being made. And so that just kind of... it, it, it really is tumultuous and we try as publishers to keep people motivated, especially because we have access to the community and I can go in and be like, hey, like people are actually really talking about this and are getting really excited about this. And sometimes that's the kind of thing that the developers need to be reminded of too is that they're kind of looking at the screen and, and the code or numbers uh, and they're not really thinking about the humans that are anticipately waiting the game to come out and are super excited and supportive and that's kind of the cool thing about my job too so yeah
1: but dwarf fortress may be in a if not unique a a rare spot such that there is quite a large community of players and fans of the game itself that are fully aware of the history of the game and how it has had its its release cycles through the last what 10 15 16 years or whatever I think that whenever uh, you do release, there's going to be a really large number of people who were just in the pocket going to buy it just because they want to support Tarn and the work that he does. Is that unusual?
2: I think that uh, there's people have a very personal connection to developers. I mean, you would call that like altruistic, where you have like this one vision, visionary creator of a game, and their sort of their personal stamp is seen throughout. And you can definitely say that about Door Fortress and Tarn because of just even the language and his updates being very personal and coming from his voice. It's definitely more of a face than uh, another game like something coming out of Sony Studios, for example. Right. Like what's the who's the face of, of that? You don't know. But but it doesn't always have to be small games. If you think of uh, Kojima his. a. Uh, He's got a kind of a cult of personality surrounding his games, too. And he's not he's not like a indie dev by any means.
0: You know, I, I wonder about that. I mean, you know, it, it's it's had a long lead up and I think people have kind of broken into three categories with it, I imagine, which is people who are actively playing it and following it, people who've kind of dipped their toe in and out kind of through the years. And, you know, it's like, I'll play it for a while then I'll wait to a new release and then I'll dive back in. And then this whole other group of people who are just sort of waiting on the periphery and, and you know, maybe they've played RimWorld or maybe they've played i don't know any other game that's sort of similar to it and they're just kind of waiting so i I feel like there's quite a lot of uh you know there, there could be i think it could be quite a quite a rush there so i think that's pretty cool you guys have uh i think you guys have some exciting times ahead of you obviously probably hard to plan for that given the development schedule but uh There's
2: definitely things that I'm thinking of personally, especially as I'm going into this role. And one of my goals long-term is to work on getting the community ready for the release. And I think one group that you kind of touched upon is kind of the people sitting on the fence. But I think there's also specific people sitting on the fence waiting for the game to make sense to them. And I think that we need to work on like converting those people over and teaching people about how to play and obviously when things look a little bit better and the sprites are implemented that's when i think we're really going to start to see a lot of people that really want to play the game because they love it in concept i know i'm one of those people that just love loves the idea of the game to just for all its potential but you know, sitting down to learn the thing is is kind of a huge task that I have never really been able to do. And now is the time I need to start doing that. Obviously, I want to learn how the game works. I want to be able to teach people how to play the game as well. If
1: you'd like, go ahead and talk a little bit about your uh, your YouTube content and what you do on, on YouTube. That was your main gig before signing up with Kit Fox, right?
2: Yeah, I... I dedicated basically a good chunk of my time to full-time content creation and doing kind of all the things. And so my YouTube channel was a mixture of, or is, I should say, a mixture of long-form video essay style stuff that I took from my time in school. And then short-form content that's more along the lines of rants and then I have my fashion reviews, which are kind of like my silly video format where when I don't want to make a serious video, I'll look at an outfit in a video game and dissect it and say why it's good or bad. So it's, a, there's, it's kind of a range of things and different experiments of, of things of, of me learning how to make videos and write scripts and see what what worked in YouTube and what didn't. And, uh, and yeah, so it's, it's a big hodgepodge of stuff.
1: So in your role as community manager for Kit Fox, are you going to be going to conferences, assuming conferences ever start back up, conferences and, and game meetups and things like that? Or so so what's your, uh, what's your role going to be when life is back to some semblance of normal?
2: Yeah, it's going to be really exciting when things get back to normal because I, I will be going to uh, hopefully get to go to some cons and promote uh, the games that are coming up. Unfortunately, probably n- not... Boyfriend Dungeon, because that might come out before things open up. I I don't know for, for sure. Um, but mm-hmm. we're also pretty locked down here in Canada still. So I don't anticipate that things will be back to normal for a little bit. Although I did see that Comic-Con is going to be having something at Thanksgiving. So who knows? Uh, but I don't think we're going to be doing anything if anyone doesn't feel safe. Uh, right. But when things do open up. I'm probably going to be uh, moving to Montreal, which will be very exciting. So I'm going to be actually working at the office, uh, which will be really cool because then I get to meet everybody in person. And then, yeah, we're going to be promoting everything at shows, uh, as many as that we probably can argue for. And I know that with Kit Fox, they're pretty flexible with allowing people to do professional development or going to extra conferences if they feel like if Kit Kit Fox can show a game there or what have you. There's a lot of potential, especially considering Dwarf Fortress reaches so many different audiences alone.
1: There was back in about 2010, I think it was, there was a meetup in Los Angeles for Dwarf Fortress itself. I wish that there would be another dwarf fortress meetup at some point of somehow because when was that? I would love to do that. Gosh. You know, it was it was back in two thousand ten. It was oh, right. if you listen to Dwarf Fortress Talk, the 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 podcast that Tarn, Rainseeker, and Capantastic did back years ago, they met up at a Marie calendars in Los Angeles. Like I think about maybe thirty or forty people showed up. Let oh, me see. Men
0: of men of taste apparently I don't know what that is, Marie calendars. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm just I thought it was like Cheesecake Factory. I have no idea.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, to, well I think it is. To me, it's like, uh, okay. like frozen pot pies in the freezer oh, section at, at the big box yeah, store. Yeah, I thought that was like
0: <laughs> Stouffer's Lean Cuisine pop-ups or something. I don't know. Exactly, yeah.
1: I, I really enjoy meetups and conferences and things like that. It's one of the All biggest right. things that's taken a hit during the... Uh,
0: during let's the, do it uh, next game developer conference that happens in san francisco let's do it
2: what would you think would be an ideal like what would you like to see out of a, a meetup oh boy um
0: pot pies frozen pot pies is that head. a door that's, fortress
2: that's, joke or is are you just no, no, to Mar- no, we just, have to get marie, no, we have to actually no. get marie calendar to show up i think
0: yeah yeah i don't is i don't is marie calendar even a real person or is this like a you know is this a made-up thing like <laughs> no, is this I one of those like Betty crocker Made up things like a corporate
1: brand. What?
0: what? There was some other one that was like that where it sounds like some sort of great historic expedition and then just invented it and it's complete. Soups. Uh, Sorry about
1: that, Jonathan. Anyway, way off track here. Um, I feel like I'm trying yeah. to avoid answering uh, Alexander's question about what would I like Hot to pies. see in the med- oh. Okay,
2: why? Why do you want to avoid that question? No, no. I- <laughs> do you have a secret plan that I don't know about?
1: <laughs> I, I think it's a good question. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I, no, the, the thing is, I d- I'm not sure exactly what it is that I'd like to see. Except I would like to see people get together in a small conference room. Or in a in a small auditorium or a large conference room, and have someone give a presentation about Dwarf Fortress, and have people uh, sit around and talk about it for two hours. So, so like a whole panel. There you go.
0: Yeah, a-
3: yeah, like yeah. a panel, and maybe maybe like the the good feeling of oh, they, these are fellow nerds. Um, so one, one goes up, talks about Door Fortress, maybe even um, about the like, in-game stuff. Like, oh, this is how I made my archers do what they're supposed to do, for example. And everybody is like clapping. Ah, yes, amazing. Thanks.
0: <laughs> and uh, I'd love that, to hear your, uh, cool. your fashion review of Door Fortress fashion. I'd love to hear you uh, review some of the items of clothing that are made. Uh, by the various... Well, soon, yeah,
3: we can do that right. because soon we yeah. do will have <laughs> sprites.
0: So I think you've got a whole... And, and, you know, you'd have to read it and be a little... You know, you'd have to imagine a little bit about what it would look like. But some of the descriptions are pretty good.
2: Yeah, I can see this being a whole... Definitely, you could argue a Dwarf Fortress panel, especially if it's like when we have a better idea of when the game's coming out and just having... The hype and having some of the content creators come out too. Because that's another aspect that I haven't had a chance to dive into yet. But there's people that are already doing Dwarf Fortress stuff now that I'm sure will be like at these events as well.
1: Yeah, I had a... A uh, local conference here that was, uh, it was called OzCon, not from Australia. Uh, Oz meaning Ozarks. I was going to be a booth that was going to have a 42-inch flat screen TV playing Dwarf Fortress and talking to people about Dwarf Fortress. Me and my father actually laser cut a Dwarf Fortress sign for the event and then COVID hit. So it was canceled.
2: Oh, yeah, no. On,
0: yeah. on That was pretty crap, wasn't it? Yeah, wow. that was great.
2: So <laughs> but now you have the sign ready for next time. I do. I do. And whenever I have that opportunity
1: to do it again, I actually would feel more confident doing it now because we've had this podcast going for quite a bit longer. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm, yes, that's the kind of thing that I'd like to, to do and to see and to but to see more regionally, because, you know, where I live, there's probably not enough Dwarf Fortress players right now to have more than a two or three person get together occasionally. But I would like to see maybe for the state of Missouri.
0: Most of the most of the Dwarf Fortress community in your area is on this podcast right now.
1: <laughs> uh, well, no, there's there's a couple other players. There was right. a, another local guy who turned me on. To the game, so, that no, no, end.
0: no, they no, would My family doesn't it. have a clue. <laughs> I think people's families are so. out. People's families see this and they're like, "No, nah, I don't think so." For
3: example, what I would like to do is, um, I. Did actually make myself a um, what's that called? A pullover, uh, Dwarf Fortress roundtable thing, a hoodie
1: that I, I know, can did wear. You? I'd like to see um, that. You gotta yes. take a picture of that, man.
3: Oh uh, yeah, I didn't send it right because it arrived shortly after COVID, and now I'm sitting on a hoodie and uh, I can't use it because my original idea was maybe going to the Gamescom and wearing that and like being there for the dwarf fortress community even though I wouldn't have a stand because that is extremely expensive but uh I would have been there and I would have been very obvious with my shirt so <sighs> soon
2: Yeah that it the shirt won't go bad you know it's it's just sitting there ready to go you're just extra prepared
3: Extra prepared yeah that that's that's good even though I'm getting fatter to to like sitting around and not doing anything so that's
2: everybody right now though that's like the world is just progressively getting slightly fatter it's all relative so as far as like
0: community involvement in kit fox stuff and and i i only know a couple of kit fox games but what's the like how much do you guys get involved with the various communities of the games or or do you just sort of let that kind of do its own thing or 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 how does it work? Or does it work? Cause I know there's not like I, I know moon hunters and I guess there's probably not too much, you know, there's not too much you can do with that. Cause I, you know, it is what it is. Right. But, but like for some of these modding games or, you know, things with huge community involvement, like what do you guys do for them or, or do you? Or-
2: yeah. Like Twi- Kitfox is, a, it is in probably the most unique place out of any publisher because we have a mixture of so many different kinds of communities so the strategy really is different for every game. And that's a challenge because sometimes there is crossover. Like people who like Boyfriend Dungeon also really like paparazzi because they're uh, lighthearted and they've got animals in them. But Boyfriend Dungeon does have a cat. So we have both sides of the spectrum.
1: <laughs> so I do and have then, a dog, too, but I just have a lot of cats.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, you have to... You ultimately, one or the other. You can't pick both. So we have both sides. You're right. Um, right. But then we have a game like Six Ages, which is a historical choose-your-own-story visual novel that's, like, very probably more niche and is not developed by us, but we still like to share it. So usually what I like to do or what I have tried to do is on... Throwback Thursday, we'll, we'll, we'll shout out some of our older games because we do have that history now that we're trying to build. And Moon Hunters is especially special to the team as well, so I don't want to forget about it. And it does have co-op, so it can be played with other people, which is yeah. really great right now. So it really depends, and Dwarf Fortress is definitely the most unique because it is the most fragmented, I would say. There's different different groups... Uh, across different platforms and uh, whatnot, so I think the challenge with Door Fortress, especially, is to wrangle those communities together, maybe, and try and uh, f- make a more centralized place where people can go for information. And I think ultimately that helps with communication because. Then uh, everybody gets the same thing at the same time. And there isn't like several different places to have to put a newsletter or an update. And uh, it's just it's just more efficient that way. So, yeah. you know, and I know not every community is the same and and you're not going to make everybody in the door fortress community like hold hands and, and you know, be together on the same platform. But we can try and uh And get more of the veteran players, too, that can help with getting more newer players and helping them be more leaders in the community. Yeah,
1: there seems to be a pretty good vibe throughout the Dwarf Fortress community. But yeah, there seems to be two main focuses for the Dwarf Fortress community right now as a place for them to get together. One is the Bay12 Games Forums. Where is where Tarn makes his explanations and does his uh his uh Q a sessions and then there's the the dwarf fortress subreddit where else where else do the dwarf fortress community congregate Tony Roland
3: I know that there is a server and uh, like a discord server I mean I am in that but it is not as as like discussion. Uh, focused as the other ones, uh, it's more of um, yeah. Look at this! I made a screenshot of my game because something funny happened.
1: It's hard to get conversation going in Discord though, but in, a, in yeah. such yeah. a, a huge server like that, I think it's a like st- a fire
0: hose of text. Steam, I bet you uh, the steam the steam community page. I I would imagine will be pretty active because if it's going to allow mods to be published, which I suspect it is. Um, I would imagine that a lot of people would be putting things in that, and that might that might kind of drive some community involvement.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know what will work for the for Dwarf Fortress to 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 try to put an umbrella over the the whole community. It is pretty varied. The folks that are on Reddit aren't always seeming to be the same people who are doing the detailed Q and A's on on Bay Twelve. It seems to be a lot more technical the Bay Twelve side.
0: So I think yeah. that's, has uh, kind of got another question in my mind. Alexandra, what do you think about, like, how does Kit Fox, What what's the thought process around the fact that Dwarf Fortress is kind of going to have a split release path? You're going to have um, the, you know, the, the Steam itch-based, you know, pay and get the cool graphics and stuff. But have, has, has there been any thought behind how to kind of uh, manage that, potential fracture, that potential confusion that, that could develop out of that?
2: Uh, it's not a discussion I've had yet, but what's going to happen in the next few weeks is probably I'm going to have uh, more direct meetings with Tarn. And one of my goals is to evaluate the different platforms which we use for our games, like YouTube, Twitch, uh, Discord, everything, and and kind of giving a report and some suggestions about what we can do moving forward, specifically with the Dwarf Fortress community. So a lot of that, I think, will be more me and Tanya directly working with Tarn as opposed to the whole Kitfox team. That being said, when we are finished with Boyfriend Dungeon and when we get closer to Uh, Dwarf Fortress launching we are probably going to be having those in-depth conversations I personally don't know what the launch of the Steam will look like in variation to the version that exists now Um, so it's definitely something that's going to be in the back of my mind for sure because like you explained it's going to be Once again, like two separate communities, those who are jumping on with the Steam version, those who are maybe going to transition, and those that are going to stick with the old school.
1: I really like the way uh, Kit Fox, uh, the fact that he even is able to exist in in today's, uh, you know, big company game development, Hollywood style uh, environment of games, because I don't know. Games seem to have lost a lot of soul that they had back in earlier days. This just me sounding old, but
3: no, but you know, no, the, I agree with you there. I completely yeah. agree, and I'm not old.
1: I'll provide
0: a Sorry. counterpoint to that. I'm not sure. I, I think there was a period where things really dipped and got dark and got kind of, you know, uh, dare I say it, EA, EAE? Can we use e a as an adjective? Um, but you know what I mean? It's like somebody comes out with something innovative, they buy it and kill it. And, and that, that I feel like was really common. But now I think you have some of these like indie games that are really coming back with a gusto, like, and you look at platforms like the switch, which, you know, isn't powerful enough to play, you know, call of duty or, or, you know, grand theft auto or whatever, but it can sure play the heck out of a lot of indies and it's portable, I kind of wonder if if that whole indie scene isn't just kind of back with a boom now. It, it's just sort of what it feels like, maybe.
2: There's a lot of work that has been done in regards to indies that I'm familiar with. I had a colleague that did uh, research at the Indie Mega Booth that was the, the legacy of the Indie Mega Booth at PAX and what goes into kind of making that happen. And you're kind of seeing like two things that are really exciting. You're seeing like indies being successful, but unfortunately you're also hitting that wall where you have the indies that are really successful and have a lot of money behind them and that are able to secure those spots to kind of be famous later. And then those that can't make that mark. And so no one hears about them and then no one plays them. So, The kind of problem is that you're having to market yourself very strategically without necessarily having to rely on a lot of money to secure a seat at, say, an indie mega booth or be primarily shown at a big conference or whatever, which is why I think the community is so important in getting those games off the ground. So like Door Fortress obviously is, again, a unique example, but something like Boyfriend Dungeon. Was really successful because we have this very niche community of really thirsty people who uh, want more visual novels and can kickstart a game to make it happen, which is also uh, a large part of our success is just having... Uh, the early support of the backers who will stick with us through thick and thin and through COVID and whatever else to get the project done. And so we can continue to have people not crunch and not stress themselves out and be healthy and make a better game because of it. So uh, Kitfox is really unique in that uh, sense as well
1: it just occurred to me that maybe the games industry has mirrored the music industry in a lot of ways. And that for a long time, there was so much that was just out there purely commercial and, and mass created, especially in the early two thousands. And now there's, there's a lot more indie music out there that's being able to be distributed over, uh, over like the internet. And there's lots and lots of great, great music, but for, for every great indie group that makes it due to youtube and the internet and things like that there's there's probably 10 local bands that are really really good that they're just not ever going to be heard from because they don't have the platform or the ability to to get their their art uh, out there so i wonder how many how many poor uh indie developers have a great game that we're never going to hear about because there's just a, a flood out there right now
2: Exactly, I guess that's a downside
1: of a, the the indie boom,
2: and this was a problem I ran into on YouTube as well. And I can I I know several uh, people who do long form content on video games uh, on YouTube. Uh, Aaron Signal, uh, Chris um, Franklin is one of them, and he has a series called Blips where he talks about indie games that are coming out, and his problem is that anytime he talks about a indie game on one of his videos, he sees a huge dip in viewership because uh, that they're just not the thing that people click on for YouTube content and gaming YouTube content. So um it's actively discouraging YouTubers and influencers from talking about indie games uh, because it means they see a hit in their ad revenue and it's not affordable for them to talk about or write about uh, indie games. So it's an interesting cycle.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Not sure how healthy the cycle is. But- no. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It does.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of critiques you could make over the, the YouTube revenue model. You know, the thing that makes you have to talk for five minutes before you get to the point. Um, because your videos have to be above a certain length and the monetization and all of that kind of.
2: Oh, it's miserable. And that's why I stopped. Right. I yeah. mean, like I, I, my channel was never able to get like verified to get monetized. So like I was not making any money on YouTube and that's not even because I was making not safe for work content that got flagged and taken down and I had to argue, was educational and totally under the umbrella of YouTube and they don't care about that. So... It's almost like
0: it's ripe for another uh, platform (laughs) out there somewhere like YouTube could use some competition.
2: I would love to see that. Yes. (laughs) Yes.
1: I don't know that the Dwarf Fortress Wiki itself is a community, but I I almost feel like it is. But but it's not a two-way street, really. There's no way to have conversation really on, on the Dwarf Fortress Wiki.
2: But the Wiki is kind of an essential tool for learning and playing the game like you can't really teach someone how to play Dwarf fortress without it i don't think no
1: no, no i can't play without it whenever i play <laughs> Dwarf fortress there is always a web page of the Dwarf fortress wiki up beside it so that i can look up to see what the properties of this obscure stone type is <laughs> so, and what exactly do i have to do to get potash so yeah absolutely absolutely and it's and it's well done it's 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 well organized
3: oh yeah definitely
1: okay so does anybody else have anything that they would like to chat about you have any questions for us alexandra do I have
2: any questions for you? Yeah. Um, well, what? <laughs>
0: like, this is not my interview, guys. Come on.
2: Well, but no, I mean, like, what do you have any insights as to what kind of things that you'd like to see from me or uh, com- like community initiatives, like things that I could potentially make happen? That's what I would like to hear about.
1: Yeah. So much hmm. of it is predicated on being able to meet in person. You know, the. The online conference gig, I think that we've found, if nothing else from this, that it's hard and that we don't have it figured out yet. Even after a year of being forced into doing online conferences totally and a lot of big organizations putting a lot of money into the into the idea of online conferences, it still just isn't close to what it's like to be there in person.
0: Yeah, I think we learned it doesn't work.
1: Yeah. If someone could figure that out, that would be great. Someone would make a lot of money. I like to see some some more regional meetups of Dwarf Fortress. It's a lot like those programming group meetups. Um, in a lot of ways, maybe it's just because of the way I look at the world. To me, the Dwarf Fortress community and the Dwarf Fortress uh, player pool is a lot like uh, programmers, and the game is complicated enough that you really benefit from talking to others and learning things from other people who have done it before.
2: Does that make sense? Yeah, totally.
1: Uh Yeah.
0: That would be useful. Amplify. Yeah. Find the, find the, you know, encourage people to um, set up meetups and then help amplify the message. I think that would be an excellent use of a platform like KitFox. Hmm.
1: And Tony, you said. probably half jokingly that we'd have a pan- that we could get a panel at GDC, <laughs> but um something like that. I would like for the three of us to get together at some point. Yeah. Like. I'm, I'm local. So
0: it's really easy for me. And I know a lot of places where we could go. Uh, and I don't imagine that this is going to be something where we, where we book, you know, a, a ballroom for a hundred people. I think the, one of the nice local bars would be more than happy to accommodate us. Um So I, I think there's, you know, a lot of possibility in that, but San Francisco is pretty easy. Um, so.
2: Yeah, there's definitely like, it's very, I, I, I don't want to say easy, but doable to organize something where there's a convention already happening. So you can do something where you're meeting offsite uh, because people are traveling into town anyways. So there's the biggest chance you're going to get uh, more people or uh, and or a panel at that uh, convention, probably not GDC, um, but like <laughs> definitely uh, I could like PAX. You could get it like I wouldn't see a problem with getting into something like PAX.
1: And uh, Roblox Celebration probably as well.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean, for GDC, I'm not thinking official. I don't care about being on the agenda at GDC. Like, I don't think that really matters. And, and I think there's gatekeeping there because I think GDC costs money to get into.
2: Oh, yeah, very expensive. Oh Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So
0: there's no need for gatekeeping, particularly when you're talking about a free game, at least for now. You know, like, I don't think that's going to work out. But but there will be a lot of people, I would imagine, in town who already are interested in it. And it would be great to, you know, pull those people together in a free, non paid uh event although i just did see gdc is still going to be virtual this year um so that is not going to happen in 2021
1: yeah we probably have a have a a year or two to to work on that and and to raise the money through patreon to to fly roland from berlin to san francisco
3: (laughs) (laughs) it's a long flight dibs on tony's couch by the way
0: oh yeah man you're you're <laughs> welcome there's plenty of it's july you could even sleep on the outdoor couch it'd be great um outdoor couch <laughs>
2: what
0: <laughs> yeah, uh. well, it's california man it's it's a, it's it's like it doesn't rain for 10 months of the year so you're fine
1: but no i i do think that would be a, a great idea to to get together that way
2: it would be really nice to to do something like that, just to just see people. And I think it's even I think doing some sort of stream would be cool just to see more like people's faces on screen. Like if we can get uh, some more people just like interviewed or showcased, uh, like specifically major like streamers or people that are making cool things, artists like that's the kind of stuff that I think could be amplified really easily.
1: In in what context? You mean as in that our podcast could do, or or for the Dwarf Fortress community in general? Oh, I mean what either. Mean like, that? I
2: mean, this is something I've been. Th- you could totally uh, think about doing that as well. But more, I think, like on my end, like what mm. what we can amplify. But definitely, yeah, you should be amplifying artists and streamers and stuff too. And I think you're already doing that, so, so that's great.
3: You know it, <clears throat> because like the original thought here was that uh, we we got like just the normal player in here. And we wanted to talk to them about the experiences. And um, that kind of drifted off into us trying to get our hands on the like biggest people in the scene, which kind of <laughs> worked great, honestly. But the, the plan, I think at least for me still stands that I still want the normal player in here to give them a platform hmm. because that, you know, that's kind of lacking.
0: Yeah, I like that. Um I, I would listen to that podcast.
1: So Alexandra, could you plug your YouTube channel and and everything that you do online? And how can people find you?
2: Yeah. Uh if you want to find me, I'm on Twitter at AlexGorlando. Uh my YouTube is just Alexandra Orlando. Uh, so that's pretty cool. I, I took that from the Olympic gymnast, right from under her feet. Thank you very much, <laughs> fellow Canadian. Uh, I am not well. an Olympic gymnast. I know she's from Toronto as well. So that's there weird.
0: was cutting close there.
2: Uh, when I my my first day at Kit Fox at lunchtime, everybody was like. So, we're just gonna like clear this up right now. You're not an Olympic gymnast, right?
0: Oh, you should have gone. Uh, with it. Like, you should totally thought, have like, gone with that. Yeah. Oh, make some money.
2: they, they would have learned pretty quickly that <laughs> I am not. Uh, but uh, they thought I was maybe leaving it off my resume because it wasn't relevant. Um, But yeah, I'll repeat that again Uh, Twitter is at Orlando, And then my YouTube is just Alexandra Orlando Uh, And then, yeah, say hi Um, I'm still learning uh, Everybody And I'd like to meet more people Obviously that are part of the community uh, And get more ideas and things like that And I'm I'm coming in with a very Open mind and a willingness to learn So, uh, yeah I'm very excited for that
1: Great, great. Well, thanks so much for coming on. And we will have you on again, uh, you know, whenever you want to come on. But we'll certainly reach out to you whenever the uh, SEAM release comes out 15 years from now.
2: <laughs> and thank you for having me on. It makes me feel welcomed uh, to be on this podcast. And it was nice chatting with you.
1: Thank you so much. Until next time, this is Dwarf Fortress Roundtable. And we'll catch you in a couple weeks. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. This has been the Dwarf Fortress Roundtable podcast. You can find all our past episodes at dfroundtable.com. Stop by and leave a message or suggestion in the comments section for this episode. While you're there, you can subscribe to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable or find us in the podcast service of your choice. You can find video content on our YouTube channel and you can send us an email at urist at dfroundtable.com. That's U-R-I-S-T at dfroundtable.com please consider donating to the creators of Dwarf Fortress at bay12games.com If you'd like to help support this podcast, you can find us at patreon.com slash dfroundtable Music for this episode is from filmmusic.io Sky Cullen and Folk Round are both by Kevin McLeod. You can find more from Kevin MacLeod at incompetech.io